Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And happy Monday. Greetings. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, no totters, and today we gave him the day off so that uh, he could follow Ainsley in the SEC championships. Aaron is here. We will nevertheless, because that's, well, we're on the air. That's how you know Aaron is here. I mean, we wouldn't be if he was not. Uh, we will have a typical Monday show for you. Bob Vanderplas will join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, next hour, we'll still have Ask Me Anything. We have somebody new picking the questions that I'll be answering unseen this week with Todd not here. You'll find more out, more out about that coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, a couple of uh, quick housekeeping items I want to let you know about. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we will have an evergreen program. It'll be an original show, um, it's, but it just will not be live. And you may remember a few months ago, I was invited to a uh, off-the-books meeting with, uh, with some Christian leaders around the country. And shortly thereafter, we recorded an evergreen with my thoughts on the meeting and the discussions there. No names are mentioned, but things that, I, that I'm confident are okay for me to share with you uh, about uh, a, a broad discussion about where things are heading as a culture. And we're going to have that evergreen for you. That's the evergreen that you'll be able to see tomorrow on the show. Uh, and so we're looking forward to getting your feedback on that. Why is there an evergreen? tomorrow uh, because I am traveling tomorrow to Miami and I will be uh, part of uh, uh, the debate team with the uh, DeSantis presidential campaign tomorrow unpaid um, but uh, agreeing to do this of my uh, own volition including the spin room I'll be a part of that tomorrow this has been in the works for a few weeks even before uh, the big announcement that's coming tonight, which broke yesterday, which will come up in the montage here shortly. So this is something that's been in the works for a few weeks. We just were able to finalize those details here in the last week or so. And so I'm heading to Miami tomorrow. I'll be doing the show. I'll be joining Todd and Aaron from Miami both Wednesday and Thursday. And then I'll be back here again per normal. Uh, provided the airline industry doesn't suck. Uh, I'll be back here per normal uh, for the show on Friday here in studio. So you won't have, you won't miss a day of programming this week. You'll get five original shows. It's just one of them will be an evergreen. But in light of the news that broke just as we were getting ready to go on the air, and so that's why it won't be an Aaron's montage. However, we are going to discuss it uh, in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. Our former colleague here at Blaze TV, Stephen Crowder, uh, is reporting that he has obtained some of the Nashville Shooters manifesto. And it, it is absolutely, want to make sure he gets credit for the work, it is absolutely every bit the weaponized manifestation of spirit of the age talking points and indoctrination that you would have if you had half a brain, already have suspected. So we'll discuss that today in the overtime. But it's, you know, when we recorded that uh, Evergreen Aaron shortly after I'd attended that event in May, we had no idea when or even if at all this year that Evergreen was going to air. But you'll recall when we got done, we all looked at each other and said, whenever that airs, it's going to feel like it's the exact right time for that evergreen to air. And on the heels of this um, revelation about the Nashville shooter, um, it does, and not to mention everything else happening in the culture at the moment, it, it does seem to be good timing to run this evergreen now that was recorded, what, five months ago. 
Indeed it is. And you said as much um, on the Evergreen as I was pre- preparing it. And I, you don't want to say you're surprised because you're not. You don't want to say either that it's um, that it, it, it lived up to expectations. It's just looking at a lot of people are saying that, well, this just sounds like the ravings of a lunatic. Mm-hmm. That's because evil is is lunatic. It's it's lunacy. It really is. You get that in pure form. In pure form watching that I don't know if it's the whole manifesto or just a part of it, but you you get that in reading that. It's just unmitigated chaotic evil. And we'll talk about that in the overtime today. By the way, if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, I mean now is the time. I mean between uh the announcement of the new ad-free completely untethered, uh, you know, unattached to big tech censorship, uh, Blaze News, which is available at theblaze.com. We're starting a new docu-series of Blaze Originals right now uh, that's it's going to debut later this week on what's going on uh, or what happened in Maui. Uh, you'll recall uh, the Biden administration took two weeks to fly the president there to those devastating wildfires. The events leading up to those wildfires were left unclear, and they maybe hoped people like us would forget, and we have not. So Blaze Media decided to go to Maui and expose the part of the story that's been buried. We're revealing new things never heard from the public or by the public, including audio from the actual 911 calls. And this exclusive story, in fact, it's right now, is on Blaze TV, the start of Blaze Originals, only possible because of your support if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. So use the code Blaze TV Plus right now. You can watch the first episode, What Really Happened in Maui. Use the code BLAZETV Plus to get $36 off. BLAZETV Plus is the code to get $36 off, and do not miss this. You also don't want to miss Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a game changer. According to NBC News, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds is indeed set to endorse Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for president in the GOP primary. Reynolds to this point has been neutral in the primary process, hosting events for pretty much every GOP candidate who's come to the state but has been outspoken in her praise of DeSantis. Now, with over two months until the Iowa caucuses, Reynolds appears willing to make this endorsement stick. DeSantis and Reynolds have an event planned for tonight in Des Moines. In Florida, at the Florida Freedom Summit, key figures in the GOP gathered to speak, including DeSantis and Donald Trump. The latter, of course, attempted to dunk on the former in his own state on the topic of COVID. We did a great job in COVID. We never got the credit for the job we did. We let Republican Governors keep their states open. Many of them did. Henry McMaster, South Carolina, did a great job. South Dakota did a great job. Tennessee did a great job. A lot of them. They kept them open. No. First Lady Casey DeSantis also spoke at that event. You know, I have to say, speaking of... uh, Joe Biden, how nice would it be, by the way, to have a president of the United States to have their kids bring home homework to the White House instead of cocaine, okay? Over the weekend in Washington, D.C., pro-Hamas sycophants vandalized various monuments and landmarks, including the walls outside the White House. ABC News White House correspondent Mary Bruce reacted to the photos of the White House vandalization, saying, quote, 
The White House gates this morning after passionate protests over the weekend. Now would be a good time to talk about this. It appears that Nancy Pelosi's chief security officer perjured himself in testimony surrounding the events at the Capitol on January 6th of 2021. Writing the piece published at The Blaze on October 4th, Blaze contributor Steve Baker outlined how, in closed-circuit television footage he reviewed, U.S. Capitol Police Special Agent David Lazarus appears to have lied about his whereabouts and his actions on that day. For some background, to prove that the Oath Keepers were seditionists intent on overthrowing the U.S. government and preventing the execution of laws. Federal prosecutors claimed that while inside the Capitol, members of the group were involved in a contentious interaction with law enforcement. The incident supposedly took place at an unmistakable public area at the top of the stairs next to the Capitol Rotunda. Yet despite the fact that there were at least 1,700 cameras in and around the building and grounds and 41,000 hours of footage, many of which directly covered this web well-traveled area. No direct video evidence of the alleged confrontation from CCTV was ever presented to the jury. At trial, this key piece of evidence purportedly proving the seditious intent of the Oath Keepers was based on the accounts of two law enforcement officers, U.S. Capitol Police Special Agent David Lazarus, a member of Speaker Pelosi's security detail, testified that he passed by U.S. Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn engaging with four Oath Keepers three or four times while he was evacuating staffers for Pelosi, who were trapped in a locked office in her chambers. Much of the video footage of the alleged confrontation was kept from the public defenders of the Oath Keepers and the public at large. That is until this weekend. Steve Baker released screenshots of CCTV footage showing that not only did Special Agent Lazarus arrive at the scene of the alleged scuffle well after the scuffle had been cleared, when that scuffle allegedly began, he was in a completely different building, despite claiming he saw that other Capitol Hill police officer in that scuffle multiple times. So that's cool. And finally, another reminder that Twitter is not real life. Here's independent journalist Eduardo Neret on the streets of Miami ahead of this week's GOP debates. All right, so the Republican primary debate is here in Miami next week. If the election were held today, what candidate, who do you think you'd be voting for? Trump. Or de Santi. Por de Santi. Or de Santi. I would like DeSantis as well. Right now, I'm like 90% DeSantis. De Santi, La Florida, bueno. Trump. Yeah, I, would, I think I would vote for Trump as well. If the election were held today, who do you think you'd be voting for? So I'm a registered independent. What are your thoughts on DeSantis? He seems like he thinks himself and you know his credentials he, he seems like he thinks through everything again and doesn't necessarily make a decision based on what the party thinks he should do um, and he's not afraid to stand up for things that he believes in which I think is somewhat rare in most politicians these days so uh, that's some of the things that I like about him so it sounds like he'd be someone you consider voting for I would absolutely yeah what about President Trump leads you to support him because basically you know what you're getting I think with all the other candidates, it's like wishful thinking as to what they're going to be. DeSantis is probably tougher than Trump. How do you feel he's doing as governor? He's doing a great job as governor. The state is doing fantastic. We did well out of COVID. I mean, statistically speaking, the guy did a fantastic job. You can't deny that. Now we have a lot of people coming from other states into Florida for good reason. Um, so, I mean, I guess that just goes to show like that he's been doing an okay job here. If you were a Trump supporter and now you're not a Trump supporter, the number one reason why you switched is because you got tired of the game, right? The whole little game. We're tired of the the whole circus of it and now we want we want we want the product, you know. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Eden Pure and their outstanding thunderstorm air purifier.
uh, that has gotten such rave reviews from so many of you in our audience since they came on board. And they've also gotten thousands of five-star rave reviews online as well. You can get um, the three-pack for whole home protection, all three units for under 200 bucks. And understand, this is not a freshener. It's a purifier. It takes uh, the odors, uh, the, the source of the odors, whether it's bacteria, germs, others, uh, components that are causing those odors from cooking and cigarette smoke, litter boxes, trash cans, even that mildew smell in the basement. It takes those components and it eliminates them. It is an air purifier. It works outstanding. And that's why I've gotten so many positive reviews from you in our inbox for the last couple of years. If you want to test it yourself and see if you might be the next, go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use the discount code Steve to get free shipping uh, and all three units for whole home protection for under $200. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code Steve. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code Steve. All right, let's get to your montage, Aaron. And let's start again with uh, Steve Baker's work, which you highlighted there. Um, again, just first of all, just very proud of the work our company here is that we're aligned with is doing on multiple fronts, including here. I mean, what, what Baker has done with this latest reporting, um, you're left with really only two options, Aaron, near as I can tell. Your two options are thusly. Um, we doctored this footage and are lying to you, or we have blown a, a, a complete hole in a sizable chunk of the january 6th insurrection narrative which at least begs the question if they lied about this what else did they lie about i i don't see any middle ground that footage is what it is or it isn't either we doctored this footage or deceptively edited it for you or they denied you this footage and deceptively lied to you about what was actually contained therein, even to the point of celebrating these individuals, having them testify, making them into, you know, many cause celebs within their own ecosystem. I, I don't see a third option here. Am I wrong? Well, there is a third option. It's not the middle way, but it is the third option. And it's this. Don't care. All these people are guilty of wearing Trump hats on a cloudy day. That's true, too. Yeah. That, and that doesn't take away anything from the excellent reporting that we have done here. And Steve gets all the props for that. Uh, Steve Baker, I mean, gets all the props for that. And, and kudos to him because uh, there are very few. Julie Kelly would be another one who have been willing to go there over and over and over again. So that doesn't take away anything from their reporting. But I do think I do think this underscores just how deeply it's not even corruption anymore. Corruption is just, hey, we're. We're just cutting some grafts uh, for ourselves, you know, taking a little bit extra, uh, you know, from the taxpayer for ourselves or getting a little bit of an influence for our buddies. That's corruption. What we're seeing here is just out and out demonic evil. Because the first thing that I thought about when I when I, you know, read through Steve's um, thread on this over the weekend is, is this going to matter? Is this going to make a difference? Again, not to take away from the reporting because it's it's important, but that's the level of not just duplicitous. That's just the level of evil that we're dealing with here. All of the all of those D.C. judges who have uh, presided presided over these kangaroo courts, they don't give a rat's behind what the evidence says. That's why they didn't allow some of this footage to be presented to mm -hmm. the jury. That's mm -hmm. why they didn't allow this footage to be pr presented to the public defenders of the Oath Keepers. They don't give a rat's petunia about what the law is, about what the facts are. 
because they are law unto themselves, and they've proven that over and over again. So the question then becomes, what do we do with that? What do we do from here? Because it's obvious that none of these people got a fair shake. Pretty, pretty much none of these people got a fair shake. None of these people who are sitting in the DC gulags or have sat in the DC gulags got a fair shake. So what do we do with that, Steve? And without a deep cleaning, in which I'm, it's debatable whether or not that can be done, without a deep cleaning of the swamp, without a deep cleaning of, without somebody in there who really understands what's at stake, which would be their lives if they were serious about cleaning out the swamp, without somebody there who's really willing to go to the places and tear down the high places, uh, a la Old Testament, this is just going to stay the way it is. This is the capital district in the Hunger Games. If you come here from anywhere else outside of, your, outside of this very district, you are subhuman. What do you do with that? So let's talk about the other big news from over the weekend. And uh, this is that tonight, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds will formally endorse Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for president. And so I want to go back and reset something here. I, I have said from the very beginning, both to you on the show and to uh, the few people in media that still call me, not nearly as many as they used to, but the, the few people in media who call me, I have said all the same things that uh, to both camps. There, there has looming over this caucus cycle, there has been an X factor that has not um, has not existed before. You have to understand, again, who primarily votes in the Iowa caucuses. We had an all-time high of evangelical turnout in the last GOP-contested race in 2016. Uh, two-thirds of the voters nearly were evangelicals. It's always at least a majority of the voters are evangelicals. The grassroots activist dominates the caucuses. It's not a primary process for those of you that are kind of maybe just now beginning to tune in because, you know, stuff's starting to get real here. We're 70 days from the caucus today. Uh, it's not a process where you could, it's not a high turnout event. There's 680,000 or they're about uh, registered Republicans in Iowa right now. The highest turnout in an Iowa caucus we've ever had was 178,000 in 2016. So you're talking about what's that one out of five or so registered Republicans uh, that would represent now if we were to equate uh, that turnout again uh, come January the 15th or even exceed it. OK, so this is always a low turnout event because it's not a primary where you can just kind of show up, cast a vote and then walk out. You're, this is a time investment, usually at least an hour. Sometimes longer, depending on what the rules are at that caucus site about who gets to speak, etc. Horse trading goes on. You may be asked in some places to give an account for why you're voting. Okay, and, and so that has a way of kind of weeding out people that are just kind of casually interested in uh, overemphasizing the people that are very invested and interested. That's why there have been so many upsets here both on the Republican and Democrat sides over the years. And usually it's the most, the more uh, grassroots centered candidate, whether it's a Barack Obama on the left um, or a Bernie Sanders on the left versus a Mike Huckabee on the right or um, a Ted Cruz on the right. It's usually the one that's more aligned with the true believers pulling the upsets. Okay. So when, when we've never had, because we've not really done a great job in Iowa, in producing statewide elected officials by and large until recently. So I've been involved in every Iowa caucus since 1996. During that period of time, there's not been a single GOP statewide official that would have moved 
the grassroots activist who dominates the caucuses. In fact, you know, in some of the other cycles I've been involved in, I would have hoped we could have gotten those kinds of people to endorse against us because that would have helped our own branding. Okay. What's new this cycle is we have a governor who is extremely popular with the grassroots. And she has earned that cachet talking about Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. She's extremely popular. She also is a potent political force. How potent? Well, this last cycle in 2022, what were they? Was it six votes short? I think it was of school yeah. choice. Yep. Okay. They were six votes short of school choice in the legislature. All Republicans that wouldn't vote for school choice. She took all six of them out in the primary, including the sitting chair, per, chairman of the education committee himself, took them all out. It is, it is, you know, I, I don't know what goes on in other states. It's very rare you can get a Republican governor to get involved in primaries from the right almost anywhere in, in the country. It certainly never happened here where we had, you know, her predecessor, Terry Branstead, was, you know, basically to the uh, uh, to the left of Democrats on several key issues. So, I mean, she put her thumb on the scale and knocked six legislators out, including the committee chair, and then got school choice passed in this last session. Uh, she didn't quite win by the margin in 2022 that Ron DeSantis did, but darn close. I think it was about a little more than 18 points she won by. She is a potent force. And, and the fact she's endorsing now, 70 days out, it tells me, Aaron, two things. Number one, it tells me that this she intends for this to be more than a press release, positive cycle, helmet sticker. That's my guy. Go get him. Okay, and hopefully that gives you some momentum. Uh, This tells me she plans on engaging on a campaign level. That, That she's going to put the full brunt of her campaign apparatus and organizational heft behind Ron DeSantis. Otherwise, if this was just going to be a go get him, Tiger, you'd have done this, you know. December 15th or something. Correct. Okay. If you're doing this 70 days out, then your intent is you're getting your hands dirty. You're hitting the campaign trail. You're going to work. Uh, And so it it would be a benefit, of course, to get her endorsement, even if if it was just a glorified press release. But to have her now invest her campaign apparatus in your your candidacy is, I I, I don't know that we know for sure, because like I just said, it's untested. We've not had a, a statewide elected official resonate with an Iowa caucus electorate in decades. So it's untested what the ceiling is of this. What's undeniable, though, is it's a benefit of something significant. How significant? I don't know. I'm going to learn in real time with many of you, but there's no debate that it is a significant, it's a significant boost. We're just going to, you know, end up finding out how significant that is. Here's the other thing that I think it's, here's the other point that stands out to me. You know, nothing says populism more than stop a process before the people actually have their say. That's, that's peak populism, right? Okay. Um, That's note the sarcasm. Uh, What this officially says is, you know what, if you guys don't mind out there in the Twitter sphere and the know-it-all sphere, we're going to go ahead and hold the caucuses anyway, if you're okay. We're going to, if you're going to be okay with that, and we're sorry, not sorry, that whether you're not. We're going to go ahead and play this thing out, and we're going to decide, decide the thing on the field, not the point spread. We're going to play the game out. All right, we're going all the way to the end, going to play it out. The process is going to play itself out. The people are going to have their say, and who knows, they may come back and resoundingly support the former president, and if so, you'll, they've at least had their say. 
But we're not gonna just going to cancel this thing. We're not just going to make it a coronation. We're not just going to say, we're not going to ask any more questions about what the hell went wrong in 2020 for the Trump administration, other than pretty much everything. All right, no, we're going to go ahead and ask those questions. We're going to go ahead and have a campaign. We're going to vet the candidates. We're going to let the people have their say, take part in the process. And, you know, they'll render their verdict on January 15th. And then we'll be here the day after that, you know, reacting to whatever that verdict is and determining where this where this thing goes following said verdict. But we're going to go ahead and as the as the as the as the formerly great prophet known as Chris Berman used to say, that's why they play the games. We're going to go ahead and play it out. I think those are the two points about this that stick out to me, Aaron. What say you? Yeah, if she was doing this just kind of fly by the night or fly by night and um, just kind of wanted this, as you were talking about, to just be one positive, um, positive news cycle. I mean, she would have done the full Mike Pence. If I remember correctly, I believe Mike Pence endorsed Ted Cruz, but it was like two days before the Indiana primary. Yes. And it was the most tepid. And then talked about how much he loved Donald Trump. Mike Pence yes. thing ever. Yes, yeah. he endorsed Ted Cruz, but spent more time talking about Donald Trump and how much he loves him. Uh, that's not this. As you mentioned, we're over two months out. Two months out. This is crunch time. This is the home stretch here for the Iowa caucuses. She's already been to several events with him, along with other candidates. But now we're talking about two straight months of perhaps them on the campaign trail together. And she is very well liked here in Iowa. You know, that's got to count for something. And that's always been true what you ended with there, Steve. We, we were always going to have a caucus. We were always going to have a primary here. Now, the question is, is this primary going to be over on January, what, 15th? Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be over uh, a little bit later down the road? That's the question that we're going to be you know, answering here. My question is, in response to all of this, did you, did you, did you listen to the end of the montage? I believe it was uh, Eduardo Neret, the independent journalist, walking the streets of Miami. It was pretty much 50-50 Trump-DeSantis. One, you notice how, oh, yeah, I love Vivek, or I love Nikki. Yeah, there was, there was none of that. Did you notice, though, the guy at the beginning in the white, white shirt? Who are you voting for? Trump. And then a little bit later, oh, no, I think DeSantis is probably tougher than Trump. The two young men there was the, the, that were uh, talking about how they're supporting Trump, but, yeah, DeSantis has done a really good job. Part, part of the video that you didn't see there as well, there's a ton of people coming in uh, from other states. Uh, there's probably pretty good reason for that. My question is, how many people in Iowa think like that? We're supporting Trump, but yeah, DeSantis is probably the better choice. That's the question that we're going to have answered as well. And I'm not sure. I, I think I still have a, enough hope in Iowans who take this process pretty seriously that we're not that vapid. Or is it vapid? I don't know. I, I still have enough faith in Iowans that we're not that vapid, but we're going to have that question answered as well. Because what we, we saw there in that video at the end is... One, Twitter's not real life. It really is closer, probably, uh, in, even in deep co- Trump uh, country, in uh, what you would think would be Trump country, and in <laughs> Miami, maybe, uh, at least amongst Republicans. It's really closer than, than a lot of the polls say. Um, but goodness gracious, that level of cognitive dissonance, we're going to see how widespread that is as well. I, you know, there's a lot of uh, don't let the process play itself out going around these days. Well, um, why not? Let's just go ahead and bring Christy Blasey Ford up, let her testify, and let's see what she's got. Guess what we found out? Nothing. She's got nothing. But then we found out, didn't we? Let's just go ahead and let the process play itself out. I, I mean, I just, 
I'm, 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 I guess I just, I'm okay with whatever truth is, you know, just whatever, whatever is the truth. Just let the process play itself out. We have an election scheduled on January 15th. Let's play it out. Maybe you get the results you want. Then the fact that you let the process play itself out gives that result even more legitimacy. Well, you know, uh, we've got to act now to shut the country down. We've got this, uh, this survey uh, from this uh, institution uh, that's uh, backed by a billionaire who uh, hates uh, carbon emissions and got the last plague completely wrong. But they're telling us if we don't shut down, millions will die. So we're just going to end our way of life right now with no way. Well, I mean, let the, what's the process for making these decisions? There wasn't one, we learned. There wasn't one. So I don't know. Let's, let's let the process play itself out. Well, how do you know it's safe and effective? Well, we said it was. Okay, well, show me your evidence. Well, you can't see it for 75 years. Okay, well, then I, at, at the very least, then you ought to give people the option to decide for themselves. Oh, you can't work in America at a company of significance if you don't take it. Can you, can you just tell me when does, let's just not, just not have a process play out. When does that work out? Can you think of a time? Because I'm going to enter all of human history into evidence. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. To let the process play itself out. I, I, am I the only one that gets suspicious every time people don't want to let a process play itself out? Yeah, um, usually, usually uh, the motivations for those who don't want to let things play out, usually those are the story rather than the actual process itself. Usually that's the story. And usually that story, whether it's the examples you just mentioned, notably the COVID jabs, usually those motivations are leaving a lot to be desired let's let's say that we'll come back we'll talk to somebody who even knows more about this process in iowa than i do what he thinks the impact of this endorsement is and more in a moment Jace Medical came on board with the show post-COVID, concerned about what was done to some venerable drugs. Well, now they're kind of concerned about the broader availability of medication, period. We've got a critical shortage of essential drugs right now here in the U.S. That's causing severe disruptions in medical treatments that result in delays, treatment cancellations, even the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. Make sure that doesn't include what you need. Now you can customize the Jace case, all right, for your particular needs. You can customize the Jace case with dozens of add-on medications that match your own meds that you need. And yes, Ivermectin is available for the Jace case as well. If you want to customize your Jace case to give yourself the peace of mind to know that uh, you're prepared just in case, go to jacemedical.com, enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code DACE, my last name, at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com, promo code DACE at checkout for the discount at jacemedical.com. Let's welcome in our good friend Bob Vanderplotz uh, from The Family Leader. Good to see you again, brother. How are you? Feeling really good. This is kind of a fun chair to sit in. It's a good, uh, ang- it's a good angle. It's, you- a, it's a good angle. Hopefully it's the right angle. Uh, you're, you're, you're right. You've got a demon right over your shoulder. 
Oh my goodness! And then and, and then you've got an absolute angel looking right at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go on. Uh, right. Enough said. All right. So big news that came out yesterday uh, that uh, is is going to be confirmed tonight. Uh, apparently, uh, at an event uh, held uh, here in town uh, with uh, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, that she will be making an endorsement. Uh, I had two takeaways from this, and I want to get your take on those and Mm -hmm. then give us any takeaways that you have. Uh, The first being, I've been talking about this from the start of the year, this is a new variable in this process. We have, at least not as long as I've been involved, which goes back to 1996, there has not been a year that a statewide elected official's endorsement would carry a lot of weight with the kind of activists, a lot of them evangelicals, that uh, that dominate the caucus process. In fact, in other cycles, I would have loved if the candidate I was against was get the endorsements of the statewide <laughs> elected officials, and I would use that against them. Okay, this is a ra- this is the first time I can think of though that a statewide elected official has major juice with the grassroots, is very well respected, um, and is considered an ally, and. Um, I've said from the beginning, whether on the show or the media I've talked to, that is something to calculate if she should decide to put her thumb on the scale. Now, what is the ceiling of that? We don't know. I, I, I don't know. We've not had a precedent here to look at. But at the very least, it's significant. How significant? We'll find out here Oof. in the next 70 days. But keep in mind, I mean, this woman helped take out six sitting legislators who wouldn't give her school choice. Um, she attacked them from the right, took them all out, including the education chair. So we're, we're dealing with somebody who has significant cachet and political capital and organization, which brings me to point number two, Bob. If she's endorsing 70 days out, then this also tells me that she's going to enter into the campaign her, herself. This is not just an endorsement and an attaboy, and maybe you get a week of, of momentum and new cycles out of it, and, and that gives you you know a little wind at your back, that, that she's essentially putting herself on the ballot here. She is giving herself enough time and runway to impact the, uh, the, the, the outcome over the next 70 days, and, and that also is unprecedented. What are your thoughts on those two points? First of all, and kind of reverse order, but uh, she is not going to be a name on a page endorsement. I go on, I do a few media appearances, but that's all I'm going to do. Uh, I think she is itching, Steve, to get into this race. I think she's itching to get into the campaign. I think she wants to campaign. And so you combine that she, first of all, is exceptionally popular in the state of Iowa. And yes, with the grassroots by and large, but even more so. I mean, she, this, she's got like 81% uh, approval rating with, within our party. Her endorsement means a ton. But then you add to that, she loves to campaign. She loves to get out and to make the case, to make the sell, why people should go her way, either to vote for her. And now in this case, vote for Ron DeSantis. And Steve, what I was initially going to say is that, you know what? She's really good at getting people to vote for her. Now we're going to see if she's really good at getting somebody to vote for somebody she endorses. Mm-hmm. But as you just put out in the in those six primary races, and you know that we played a big role in that with her uh, on the grassroots level, uh, she was able to help knock out six sitting incumbents, replace them with real conservatives who would deliver school choice, which was her first bill this year. So I think this is obviously it's a huge endorsement. Uh, some people say, is this unprecedented? Uh, I said, well, if you remember in the 2016 cycle, we had the sitting governor at that time, Terry Branstad, who came in not to endorse a candidate, 
but to unendorse a candidate. Tell Iowa there's no oh, way. About Ted Cruz. There's no way yeah. you can vote for him because he's against our agenda, primarily the ethanol agenda at that mm-hmm. time. And Branstad, and you may recall this campaign stop to campaign stop. He had his son, Eric Branstad, at every one of those campaign stops, making the case not against Ted Cruz. Or that you couldn't vote for Ted Cruz. And what does Iowa do? They elect Ted Cruz. This time, however, it's Kim Reynolds. And Kim Reynolds has got just an enormous cachet with the base that's going to make up this voting electorate in the Iowa caucuses. I think it's a huge get by Ron DeSantis. The key is going to be now, how are they going to use her? Is the campaign going to control her? Or are they going to let her really go out and do her thing? I think this maybe sends one more Mm -hmm. message, too. I mentioned a few minutes ago that I want to also get your take on that. You know, nothing says populism to me quite like shut a process down before the people actually have a voice to speak. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just peak populism. No, again, the sarcasm yep. that this is officially we're going to play this out and maybe the people will render their verdict on January 15th. And it'll be exactly what Donald Trump wants to hear. But we're going to we're going to play the game on the field. We're not just going to say, hey, you know what? The point spread says that uh, you're you're going to win. So, I mean, what's the point in even playing the game? Now, we're going to go ahead and play it out. We're going to let the people have their say. We're going to have a fairly typical Iowa caucus process and and I guess we'll find out 70 days from today what the people mm. of Iowa think but there will be a full vetting and a full hearing the insertion of the governor formally into this race will make sure of that okay I mean I'll just give you an example I had a conversation with uh, an old friend of mine who used to be very politically active and now is not because she's just sick of the entire process and I think that embodies a, a lot, lot of people, people. You bet. I mean I I, I, got, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed Um, you know, taking a vacation to go watch my favorite team and just getting all embroiled in the controversy over something stupid like the stealing of signs and signals. I thought that was enjoyable to me. Okay, because this many, many days, what we talk about here is uh, doing the shows enjoyable. The subject matter is not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 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 there's there's just a lot of people, I think, that are just on the sidelines right now deciding whether they're going to get in a mess with it. I see her in the hallway in an office building. We get to talking. We catch up with each other. Finally, she starts asking me about politics, knows only a little bit about Ron DeSantis. She's seen like Nikki Haley's ads all over TV. Okay, and she's just like, we cannot run Trump again. Right. Okay, that's what I mean. She's a fairly this is a pretty right wing gal. Yep. Okay, and I, she's I, very astute though as well. I think this is pretty typical of what a lot of people that do not live in this world that we live in are are hanging out on Twitter all day long or listening to shows like this all the time. This is pretty typical of what they think. And so I I, I think that we were always going to ha- find out whether those people would get involved in the process or what would their knowledge of the process be. The insertion of the governor into this race, I think, is a big deal. Is a big deal where that is concerned and so we're going to get without even if even if there are no debates in iowa or anything of that Mm. nature we're going to actually get now a full hearing and campaign for this cycle yeah and and you know steve i i was aware of the conversation you had i had a conversation like that this morning on the way into work and this guy was all in for trump in 2016 already 2020 even in the caucus cycle of 2016 and he's moved on from trump and the reason he's moved on from trump is because he just believes trump can't win again in 2024 america's made up their mind on him but he was really kind of, I don't know who I would go for in regards to the other candidates. He likes Tim Scott. He liked Nikki Haley. He likes Ron DeSantis. He likes Vivek. So he really didn't know where to go. Talked to him this morning. He said uh, that the governor weighed in on Ron DeSantis. Uh, he goes, I'm going all in for Ron DeSantis. Asked me what to do. I said, well, I haven't endorsed yet. You need to contact the DeSantis people. They will tell you 
uh, what to do at that point. So I think it's now a game on situation. See what happens as I tweeted out uh, yesterday. I think Trump has had a bad seven days. I think today's another escalation of uh, of a, the wrong trajectory for him. Number one, the Iowa poll. He is a former president of the Republican Party, and he's got a hundred percent name ID. Everybody's made up their mind on him, and yet he's only at forty three percent support. If you're at forty three percent support as a former president in an Iowa Republican caucus, that cannot be a good day. Two is at a town hall, he doubles down on the vaccines, how great they were. If the one thing's going to move the mega base is going to be his commitment to the vaccines. And then um, three is Reynolds goes out and endorses his chief rival, Ron DeSantis. That's not a good day. Understand his court appearance today. Probably isn't going to help him out as well. So um, I think there's still the 75 days left to play. There's a lot of caucus to play. Anything can happen. So... That then leaves, I mean, you're the next obvious question, what you're going to do, what your plan is, <laughs> okay? And in a typical cycle, I mean, I think I've explained this to people, and I don't think I've done it with with you in uh, present, so I'll do it with you present. In many respects, because... So you're talking behind my back is what you're saying. Pretty much, yes. Okay. Um, in many respects, because of the lack of regard of the conservative grassroots for a lot of statewide elected Republican officials for the last couple of decades. And wh- here's what I mean by that. There's the, there's the you know, um, similar to there's the guy you date and the guy you marry, okay? There's the guy you vote for because he's not one of them, and then there's the guy you vote for because he's one of us. Make mm-hmm. sense? Okay. Sure. Let's face it. Most of the statewide Republican officials we've had in Iowa for all the positive changes that have existed, that, that have been generated in the state on the ground in the last decade, at this level, like, is it okay to call Joni Ernst, at the very least, a disappointment, by and large? Yeah, especially her second term. Yes. Definitely. Okay. So we've yet to crack the nut up here when it comes to people we send to Washington in too many cases or statewide elected officials. Okay. And so a lot of those are people that we vote for because they're not them. We, in the caucuses, you support the people you think are one of us. Okay, and 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 so without that voice from a statewide elected presence, in many respects, in the last decade and a half, you have filled that void. You've kind of been a a de facto governor of the conservative grassroots in some respects, meaning you're not making policy, but all the other things that that sort of a figurehead would be involved in politically on a domestic level on the ground. That's kind of what you and your organization have filled that void. Okay, and so that's why there has been so much speculation from the time this process started, what you were going to do. All these candidates come to you before they come to anybody else. So that begs a very obvious question. What are you going to do? Well, and to add on to that, though, most of the time, the statewide elected officeholders, whether we like them or we're disappointed in them or whatever it is, they've always pledged neutrality. We're going to be neutral. We're going to let the Iowa caucus play itself out. We're not going to weigh in. We're not going to put our thumb on the scale. Because let's be honest, I think they know that putting their thumb on the scale would look bad. So why look like I have no political capital if I don't have to? But so since they pledge neutrality and I've always said, listen, if I need to weigh in, I'll weigh in. All of a sudden, I think the voice has been elevated because being the willingness to weigh in. Now you're dealing with Governor Kim Reynolds and Governor Kim Reynolds basically was going to pledge neutrality, I think. I think she sees what's at stake. And so now she's going to weigh in and she's just a different type of elected office holder who's like, I'm going to do what is right because I'm going to take the arrows regardless. Regarding me, Steve, we're going to do our Thanksgiving Family Forum on November 17. Uh, we're going to have four of the five qualifying candidates there, I believe. 
you're not worried about like a Nikki Haley saying, well, I guess if I can't get the governor, what's my point in showing up? I really don't believe that. And I mean this, too, is that Governor Reynolds' endorsement at the end of the day is worth one vote. Now, we think she's going to influence a lot of others, but it's worth one vote. Bob Vanderplatt's endorsement at the end of the day is worth one vote. What you need to do, if you're Nikki Haley or if you're Vivek or if you're Tim Scott, you need to get in front of that base and you need to let them know why Governor Reynolds made a bad decision, why they should be voting for you and say not for Governor DeSantis. In my opinion, Donald Trump should be taking advantage of this base as well. This base helped him not only get elected as president in 2016, they did it again in 2020 in the Iowa uh, general election. I think he would want to come back and drop the mic on three judges and a lot of other things they did that was really good for this base. So I think more than ever, they will want to come to the forum. I think they will be at our forum. After the forum is when our team, our board, and myself, we'll get down. Uh, we'll really try to discern the process and see if we weigh in or not. Most what, likely what, we will weigh what, in. What's, really quick, what's the difference between a forum and a debate? Well, a, a, forum, a forum is, I mean, what you're going to watch in the debate in Miami where you're going to be on Wednesday night. There's going to be a lot of back and forth. She said that. He said this. They attack each other. They set them up to attack. Mm-hmm. We're not about that. We, we want to talk about you. But while we're talking only about you in the answers to your questions, we're comparing you to the rest of the field. All on stage at the same time. So basically a simultaneous interview. Is what yeah, you're a simultaneous interview. And the thing it is, is that, say, a Ron DeSantis say, you know what, I really agree with what Nikki said. Let me build on it here. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. He just can't go after her. And we don't want him to go after Trump. We don't want him to go after Biden. We want them to do a simultaneous worldview. What makes you tick? What makes you a leader? What's your vision for the country? Why is this your Esther moment? All in front of a base that's going to be very crucial in weighing in on this decision. It'll How, be a very important Are people form. going to get, be able to watch this if they want to? They will. We're going to be announcing a media partner real quick. We just secured one, and it will be letting them know how they can watch it online as well. Next Monday, we'll be able to tell you that. All right. Thank you, Bob. Thank Appreciate you. It. God you bless. Uh, don't forget about our friends at Relief Factor. If you are struggling with chronic pain, this is the pain that comes from too much inflammation in the body. And Relief Factor may be your drug-free, though created by physicians who can prescribe drugs, may be your drug-free solution. In fact, we think there's probably 70% odds that that is the case because that's the percentage of people thereabouts you know some years it's 68 some years it's 72 but it's roughly 70 percent of the people over the years that try the three-week quick start for just 20 bucks end up seeing such successful results in three weeks or less that they end up sticking around long term with relief factor if you want to see if you could be their next success story or not go to relieffactor.com again that's relieffactor.com or you can call them at 800 the number four relief that's 800 the number four relief or go to relieffactor.com what do you got to lose for just 20 bucks all right Aaron, we got about a minute left here your thoughts on the uh, conversation that uh, bob and i just had yeah when it comes to governor reynolds endorsement of governor DeSantis, i think what bob articulated on how the other candidates navigate that and make their case to the voters is how things should work in a real grown-up actual primary process my my fear is that we're not having that i was gonna say where's one of those taking place yeah Yeah. so instead you know we saw donald trump over the weekend on truth social "Ah, that's disloyalty they're never gonna have the maga again uh it's fitting it's i don't know if you use the word romantic that they're uh the traitors teaming up again that's the kind of stuff that we'll get so we're gonna see though we're going to see as you said in the first segment we're going to have a caucus 
We're going to see if this is just going to be the chuckle hut, kicks and giggles, or if we're actually having a grown-up adult process, at least here in Iowa. I think that we are here in Iowa because we've shown it before, but that's what we're going to find out. Well, I'm going to find out what questions you have for me when we come back. It is your opportunity to ask me anything, and we will give you that opportunity here in just a few moments. Stay tuned. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd has the day off. He is at the SEC Championships with his daughter, Ainsley. He'll be back with us on Wednesday. Why not tomorrow? Remember, tomorrow I'm traveling to Miami. I'm going to be uh, part of the debate with uh, the DeSantis campaign. No, I'm not being compensated doing this at my own free time. I am making them pay my expenses out of pocket. All right. But I'm giving them my time for free because I believe that much uh, in the candidate. So I'm going to be heading to Miami tomorrow. I'll be doing the show down there live from Miami on Wednesday and Thursday. Todd and Aaron will be here in Des Moines. I'll be joining them from down there. Uh, you will get an evergreen tomorrow, and it's one we have been looking forward to, to airing for you since we recorded it. You'll recall this spring I attended a kind of off-the-books uh, meeting of Christian leaders, and everything was off the record. You could say whatever you wanted to say. No names would be mentioned. Um, kind of a, it wasn't even really about politics, and that's why I decided to go. If it was, I wouldn't have gone, uh, it, but because it was really a, a broader about where the culture is morally and spiritually and what we can do about it, that piqued my interest. And uh, some things I jotted down and made sure I could share them with you guys on the show, and I'm going to do that tomorrow uh, on uh, the that Evergreen episode, which... You know, at the time when we recorded it, we even said on the show, whenever this airs, it's going to probably feel like it's a good time for this to, uh, discussion to be had. And so we think that time is going to be tomorrow. So we look forward to that. All right. Don't forget, you can email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's uh, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram and TikTok. You'll also find me uh, where else? Oh, via the podcast, yes. And those of you that listen to the podcast, we love you so much. Please show your love for us by leaving us a five-star review and hit subscribe and or follow if you're on iTunes. That way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your podcast feed every single time. Our friends at Patriot Mobile have showed up. They're on the cutting edge of the uh, the vanguard known as the parallel economy that we need to build. Luckily, it's, it's not fully realized yet. In fact, it's not even close. But thankfully, one place where it is fully realized is with one product we all need in this modern age to thrive and survive. It's our mobile phones. And you no longer have to give your money directly to people who hate you. Sign up with America's only American mobile phone company known as Patriot Mobile. They're outstanding U.S.-based, which means you can understand them, customer service team gives you cool features for joining like anytime you need to switch to one of the major networks you can for free via being a member of patriot mobile if you go to make the switch today if you're a veteran or a first responder let them know and uh, they have extra ways of saying thank you for your service if you do for the rest of us they'll offer you a free activation with the offer code steve you'll get a free activation with the offer code steve if you go to patriotmobile.com slash steve and make the switch today that's patriotmobile.com slash steve or you can call them at 972 patriot 
So, no Todd does not mean no Ask Me Anything. We are still going to have Ask Me Anything during this second hour of the show. Except instead of Todd curating and selecting the questions, I have picked another victim, I'm sorry, um, person of trust that I that I trust to go through the, the literally hundreds of questions we get whenever we offer this opportunity up and select the ones that will be answered on air, which I will not see in advance before I answer them. And this time it is my own flesh and blood. Anastasia, how are you, sweetheart? Good, how are you doing? Try that again. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you now. Go ahead. Okay, good. How are you doing? Well... <laughs> The next 56 minutes are going to determine that, Princess. I feel like I picked like pretty good ones. I don't know. But if I didn't pick, if you don't like it, then Steven did it. <laughs> Your husband, Steven. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So I, you asked me, well, why do I have to be there? I mean, I just want me to pick the questions, right? Yeah. And I said, yeah. And I said, but you got to be there. And you're like, why? And I said, because if something goes wrong or I don't like the question or I, you know. I have to explain myself. I, you have to explain yourself. Yes. I do. I, I was thinking about that when I was picking them and I was like, I could see a couple of them. I might need to be like, why? But I'll just like, I mean, I'm a dace. I'll pull it out right on the spot. <laughs> That's what I do best. Aaron, your thoughts on that comment. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> no. All right, then we're off. Aaron, you have the questions from Anastasia, correct? Literally didn't have anything to say. No, I, don't, I didn't either. That's why I went to you. I'm the old man. I'm like, I don't know what to say. Aaron, your thoughts. Yes, I, I was dumbstruck. I was gobsmacked by that comment myself. All Dead right. air. All right. So, just amazing in broadcasting. All right, let's just let it rip. Here we go. All right. Danny Henry says, this is going to be a little long, but bear with me. My wife and I married four years ago. She and her daughter were regulars at one of our largest Baptist churches in our town. My stepdaughter was at church, every church youth function from seventh grade until she graduated. A few months ago, my stepdaughter was appalled when I said LGBT would go to hell if they didn't turn from that lifestyle to God. So my first question is, how does a young lady spend six years in a youth group and not hear this? Second question is, how do you find the right church? Do we just visit and listen? I've heard you say before you interviewed the preachers, kind of. What questions did you ask? Thank you for your honesty. Love the podcast. Listen daily. Well, I'm always a day behind, he says. Let's um, let's take these questions back to front, actually. Uh, the the I, When we were first looking for a church when you were a little baby, I, I did interview pastors, but that was well over 20 years ago, man. And let's just say the questions I was asking back then would... <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days, okay? <laughs> it was a simpler time, 2002, okay? So those those questions would, everybody still knew what a gender was, okay? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah it's just, no, no. The, those questions would not be relevant to what's happening now. They, they are maybe not relevant. It's not the right word. Cause I was asking questions about fundamental things. Uh, they wouldn't be sufficient. Maybe is the best way I would put it. They would be insufficient for the era in which we currently are uh, embarked upon. You're going to, this one will, would, is good. This, if I was doing this all over again, this would require a whole different level of aggression with the questioning. All right. So your other point though, do I just have to visit churches? I hate to say this, man, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, now maybe we'll get there in about 10 minutes, 
But you'll notice that the churches that are run by the lesbian cat ladies who have the rainbow scarves, okay? When you visit their websites, <laughs> it's over here going, no. <laughs> the Jonah Hill. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you visit their websites, they, they don't necessarily put right on the websites. Hey, guys, we're the lesbian cat ladies, and here's our rainbow scarves. They, they, they don't necessarily do that. Um, and, and many, in fact, they still are, have like the Nicene Creed up on their websites, okay? Um, but we're probably only a few minutes away, Aaron, from those churches just going ahead and letting yeah. the freak flag fly. So then you're talking about um, what, uh, what I've heard Driscoll describe as soft woke churches. And, and, and uh, Mark defines this as the church, maybe you'll go to a church and they'll say things like this. Now, this is my spin on, on Mark's answer, okay? It, we don't have to always tell people what we're against. We really need to tell people what it is that we're for. Okay. That, that doesn't mean that's not ever true. I, I do think we can have too furrowed of a brow and, uh, and, and descend into moralism. The gospel is not moralism. Okay? I mean, you, you can have a pietistic society and people are going to hell. We were a far more pietistic society during the founding era of the country. But there were people that didn't repent of their sins to Jesus, and they're going to hell. They went to hell, nevertheless. No one, no one has an ex- There is no level of pietism where God's like, nailed it, and you're in. It doesn't work that way. Okay, so you can do morally therapeutic pietism in any era, and that ain't that ain't Jesus on a cross, dying for your sins, spilling his blood, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world uh, to pay the atonement, the propitiation for your sins. Okay, so we can't reduce the gospel on the right uh, to moralism either. And therefore, there are times where we can get so hung up on our own level, our own definition of social justice on the right that it is just there's more sermons about abortion, for example, than the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, that abortion is murder than, well, you know, teacher, how can I be saved? That, that's the gospel. OK, that's that's the heart of the gospel there. But I'm not sure that's our problem in this Aaron era, Aaron. No. Maybe maybe that in a previous era, like at the dawn of the religious right in a much more morally um, defined era for that generation depend de- descending into moralism in place of the gospel could absolutely have been a temptation that no no um we need some descent into moralism in this era that's not the temptation in this era at all uh the temptation in this era when 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 a pastor says we need to be more about what we're for and not what we're against doesn't mean the same thing a guy would have said when he meant that said that like 20 years ago what he means now is I need an excuse not to take a stand on anything that is actually threatening the, the gospel or the, or the people in the culture whatsoever. I need, a, I, need a, I need an eject card, a get out of jail free card. And so that's what, that, that's what soft woke is. It never addresses what God's actually against. Here's the problem. Much of the Bible is actually what God is actually against. God does not hand Moses 10 um, statements on stone tablets to say, here's my mission statement of what I'm really looking for. No. All right. These are 10 commandments and they're all negative statements. Don't do that. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. 
don't do this. Definitely don't do that. For sure, don't do this. Okay, I mean, they're all negative statements. Not one of them is, is, is like a life coach. Let's end this thing with an affirmation. They're all very definitive negative statements. There's literally a verse in the Bible. Seven things the Lord hates. Six that are detestable to him. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So much of the Bible is God discussing what he's against. So we have to tackle that at some point. There can, there can be, um, there, there can be room for conscience, depending on the community you're in, the, the demographics of your church and the community, meaning whom you're trying to, whom you're trying to minister to. Like if I'm, if I'm planting a church like in Seattle where they turned Chaz into a city a few years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to have to operate under the assumption that many of the people I'm going to try to minister to here are pretty far away from God. And I, and I need to do that calculus in how I roll out effectively my own message. Fair? If, but if I'm doing one where I'm in the buckle of the Bible belt, well then give me that old time religion. Okay, so... There can be room for conscience, but there is no room for, uh, you know, ignoring fundamentals. And that's usually what we have to tell people what we're for and not what we're against means. Let's just ignore the fundamentals and stick with the stuff everybody agrees on. Be good to the poor and all that kind of stuff that the world will do, frankly, anyway. Even if we don't tell them that. So, yeah. To find out if you've got one of those soft, woke churches, churches brother, you're going to probably have to go there mm-hmm. and witness it for yourself. At the very least, you're going to have to go to the website and probably listen to a lot of messages and like randomly select several, not just a particular series. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I know that's a, an extra amount of time almost nobody has, but... Unfortunately, those are the times in which we live, which gets, that's why I took your questions back to front, because this leads us to your first question, and it absolutely explains why someone could be in a youth group for years, including your own kid, and this would be revolutionary to them, because you took her to a soft woke church. And you didn't recognize it, because the, 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 the baseline fundamentals of the faith were communicated, and since you're a mature believer, you just took those on your own and applied them thusly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's not discipleship. Discipleship is I I is we disciple you into applying them thusly. We don't just assume you'll reach a a level of maturity on your own and then do it. Or we'll help you apply them if you come to a special class on Tuesday nights or Sunday nights. But we won't do it in front of the the entirety of the congregation on Sundays. Does that answer the question? Do you think? No, I think that's. I think that's fair. And we even had this same discussion in a I, in the membership class where Stephen and I are joining. We were talking about what it means to fear God. And mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And this woman just kept saying like, well, God is love and God is love and all this stuff. But somebody else was like, well, we need to define that, though, because there are different versions right. of love. Right. You know, and there's different versions of like God is the same, but he there are different versions of him showing his love. Mm-hmm. You know, the same God that created the world also mm-hmm. destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah as well mm-hmm. and punished them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, the true days of me came out. And I did say that. <laughs> I mean, the, the, God, God will def, God. Def, God is love, but love is not God. Meaning God his because he is love. Everything he does. From his holiness, to his justice, to his judgment, to his mercy, to his grace, is all love. 
when 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 we say God is love, we mean He's affirming. Mm-hmm. He's he emotionally or sentimentally gives me ha- helmet stickers and and the thumbs up, especially for youth groups. Yes, absolutely, that's the case. You bet. Yep. Ready to move on? You bet. Next, we go to Rebecca Rutgers Miller. Does working the poll make any difference at all in an election? Is it worth my time to sit out in the cold when I have other important things I could be doing and pass out cards to people who don't even look at them? My past experience is that a handful of people will even take the info, and most of these people just stuff it into pockets and keep walking. What's the actual data on working the polls and its impact on elections? There is no real data on that, and I think... Here's how I would answer your question. Is it, is it Rebecca or Rachel? Is that who sent that in? I think Rebecca. 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 All right. Rebecca, this is how I would answer your question. You get one life to live. We get one, one lap here called a lifespan. And at the end, I, I, you know, I, I want us to all to be able to say, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith and I finished the race. I want, I want demons in hell to, to, to wipe the sweat off their brow when I get put in the grave because they're glad I'm dead because their jobs got a little bit easier without me walking around the third rock from the sun here. I want to be able, I can't take any ammo with me. So I want to fire every bullet I have. And I would be, I'd be looking at, you know, this is my way of exegeting what Paul says in Romans, redeem the time for the days are evil. Redeem the time for the days are evil. So he doesn't say what specifically that looks like. You know, it, may not look like handing out information to people at polling places that they're just completely ignoring. There, there could very well be a better use of your time. But I would, I would ask myself that question on the, on the basis of, is this the best way for me to know I finished my race or is this a waste of my time or is it pointless? And I say this as someone who wrestles with this all the time. One of the reasons why I do more speaking engagements now uh, there's two reasons. Our kids are, I've been, I've been asked to do many of them over the years, but when the kids were growing up, I, I very rarely wanted to do them so I could be home as much as I possibly could be. Now that they're growing up or grown up, they don't, they don't want me around as much. So I've got more free time or <laughs> right? they have their own lives. Okay. And, and so that brings me to reason number two, I getting out and seeing you guys in public and speaking to you in public helps me know that what we're saying here makes an impact to you that because most days it's just Todd, Aaron and I, or some combination therein, just talking to ourselves. Anna comes in a couple days a week. Bob comes in and once a but most of the time, mo- mo- most of this show, show is us just talking to ourselves and we think we're making an impact. We hope we certainly hope we are. We even more so want to be. But one way that I can get that feedback is when I go out on the road and see you guys face to face. Because I, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my time either. 
So I, I get the, I, I get the temptation that you're dealing with. What I've had to learn to do is ask myself though, it's, you know, to quote the great prophet, Nick Saban, it's about the process, not the results. It's about the process. Am I, the process is thus in my, in my opinion, this is the best way I can articulate it. When this is over, can, can my kids say, dad fought the good fight, kept the faith and finished the race. Dad was not perfect. We saw him at his best and his worst. Okay. But over the years, long obedience in the same direction. And we can say now that dad has finished his race. He fought the good fight. He kept the faith and finished the race. If we focus, I think more on that as a process, then we won't get necessarily hung up on what is the specific method I carry out that process and what are the specific results, therefore, it has to generate for me. So instead of asking yourself if that particular method is wasting your time, I'd encourage you to ask yourself, what's the best way to fulfill that process? Before our next question, don't forget to, about speaking of processes. Our friends at Preborn. They have been following the same process as a pro-life ministry for many, many years now, which is why they were one of the few prepared for life in a post-row world, that this was going to be much more now hand-to-hand combat with the spirit of the age for those moms and those babies. And they were already there. And what they found over the years is about 80% of the time when a mom is confronted with that ultrasound, she hears and feels that baby's heartbeat. She doesn't go through with killing her child. And so that's, that's, that's an immense trend line. 80%, especially when it's just, even with today's Biden inflation, it's still just 28 bucks for one of those ultrasounds. Would, would you spend 28 bucks out of pocket right now? for 80% odds that you're going to save a child. I know a lot of you would. But they also understand, though, the mom still needs saving as well. She's not in an easy situation. So they provide all kinds of pre- and and postnatal care, all of that free of charge from tax-deductible donations from people like us as well. If you'd like to make one, go to preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. You can also dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone. Or just keep it simple, preborn.com slash Steve. Next up, we go to Lance Brown. Recently, the DNC snubbed Iowa and New Hampshire and made South Carolina their first primary. Do you think that Democrat voters in Iowa are similar to GOP voters and that they are more thoughtful of the process and policies than catchphrases and groupthink? Yes. Now, it's a different worldview. But the, the, the culture that Iowa largely has on the ground... And then the process of the caucuses themselves create this natural habitat. That's why Dennis Kucinich did better here. Bernie Sanders did better here. Okay. Uh, what, did, what was Joe Biden? Was he fourth? Wasn't it Sanders and Buttigieg and then Elizabeth Warren and then Biden? Yeah, I'm looking that up right now. I mean, Hillary Clinton finished third, remember, uh, when it was her. She finished behind Barack Obama and John Edwards, as I recall. So, yes. Um yeah. I mean, Biden was fourth, Buttigieg won, Sanders was in a close second, Warren in third. So there you go. Yes, by and large, it's the same process over there, just carried out with a different belief system. And in some respects, their, their process is more cutthroat than even ours. And I wish ours was more like theirs. For example, they hold threshold votes. So before there is a, before there is a tally 
of whom you're voting for and why. And then on the on the right, horse trading goes on before we start voting. On the left, they do horse trading as they are voting. So they will do like an initial caucus where everybody stands and you have to meet a certain threshold or your candidate's gone. And then you've got to you've got to then decide which candidate you want instead. So but but it is, you know, we we still largely all go to the same schools, same restaurants, you know, same neighborhoods. Um, we have our crazies like any other place in America does these days. But by and large, um, you know, Iowa, there's the whole Iowa nice thing. I mean, I saw it just yesterday. So I'm out doing my leaves yesterday. Our neighbors with the trans flag are out doing theirs. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're moving the same leaves, cooperating with each other. If you look at the signs for the school board candidates in their yard compared to the one in my yard. It's a meme. The, picture, the pictures of the two houses next to each other, what could be a meme? Could not be any different. Okay. All right. I mean, but set that stuff aside, which is getting harder and harder to do in this day and age. The Iowa nice thing kind of permeates the, the pores, you know? And so, Yeah. They're, they still are pretty thoughtful over there. They still take vetting candidates and getting to know them very seriously over there. And um, and it's still that's it still therefore lends itself to a lower turnout activist driven outcome over there, too. It's just a different, a wholly different belief system. But the habitat is the same. Next up, we will go to Carla O'Quinn. Steve, some time back, you made a prediction that Trump would name his running mate by November 18th of 2023. Are you sticking to that prediction? Also, are you familiar with John Guandolo? He's a former FBI special agent and anti-Islam counterterrorism activist and has trained many law enforcement members on Islamist tactics. He would be an excellent guest on your show. Let me do the second one first. No, I'm, I'm not familiar with John. I appreciate the recommendation. So pass that on to Todd for me. We'll have Todd vet him and look him up. Okay. Um, and we get a lot of these recommendations from you guys over the years. So even if we don't do them all, don't respond to them all, I've, I've never, ever asked you guys to not send these things in because, I'm, I mean, a lot of the best guests or ideas we've had from the show have come from you guys. So we are very appreciative of those kinds of suggestions. So thank you very much. And I'll have Anna give that name to Todd and... I'll let him vet the process. Um, I don't remember making that first prediction, but it sounds like a prediction that I would make. And the dude code demands that you do not take a prediction back. You you go to the end and accept the outcome, come what may. You know. So um, here's here's why I'm surprised I made that prediction. Because as a general rule, man, I'm out of the predicting what Donald Trump is going to do in the future business, and I've been pretty consistent about that so if if i did make this one and i'll completely take your word for it and it does not come true in the next what uh 12 days then that's on me because i was dumb enough to again predict what donald trump was going to do will you wear the, the wig again if you're wrong well i do wear, will that you wig wear the again? wig again if you're wrong see i don't mind wearing that wig again sweetie but man it shed everywhere it, it shed more than the covid vaccine okay <laughs> i'll I mean, braid it i'll braid your hair <laughs> okay then i might think about it we are, we are just now cleaning done cleaning up that that wig either in the bathrooms at the house or here in our in our set man you remember that the uh the easter basket grass i never let you kids yeah. have when you were little because that stuff just never goes away for like a year that wig shed the lord like is that. not letting you forget that one no so um but um uh, that being said, I don't think Trump will name a running mate by uh, November 18th as things stand today. But 
if, if we got up November 21st and Donald Trump named a running mate, would anybody be, he'd be like, oh, that's just Trump. I mean, it's, dude, it's just, it's very rando, man. I, I and, and that's why I, if it, I should not have made this pick and should have understand to stick to the default setting, which is do not make any predictions about what Donald Trump will or won't do in the future. To quote the great prophet Jim Harbaugh, when it comes to Don Tr- Donald Trump, no man knows the future. Yeah. I was looking through very quickly on, at, at your old Dace Group predictions, and I couldn't find one readily where you said that. I don't know if it was a Dace Group prediction or not, okay. but I, I couldn't find that readily anyway. Was that maybe one of our top 10 pick- predictions of the year, maybe? Of how I thought the race that, you know, I do those every January when we're the first show when we come back. Yeah. I wonder if that was one of my predictions uh, for the year of 2023, perhaps. Yeah, it could have been. That sounds like maybe something that would have fit there because you kind of try to make some bombastic predictions as I look this up. Not bombastic, but bold predictions. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I can't can't find that readily. Let's go to one more, maybe tease this and go to break. Frank Vecchio says, Steve... I'm confused why so many people talk about how this is very clearly the end of days and you're an idiot if you don't see it. Have they read Matthew 24, 36, which clearly states that no man will know the day and hour of the end days, end of days. Doesn't that make these people false, false prophets or am I wrong? Well, no man may know the day or the hour, but we are also commanded to know the sign, know and study and understand the signs of the times. So... We should be very hesitant about putting specific dates on things, um, according to the scriptures. But we should also, ultimately, we should. We, what we are looking forward to more than anything is the return of our Lord. I mean, that, that's the culmination of all of human history. That's the culmination of creation, basically. So we are by by trying to study the signs of the times. And I I say this as someone who can get as annoyed and exasperated by how obsessive and compulsive this makes our people as, as much as anybody can. But ultimately, by looking forward to that, we are instead of just, eh, you know, happen when it happens. But by as, that we're similar. That's a bride looking forward to her wedding day. And so we should be studying and understanding the signs of the times. That's not the same necessarily as setting dates, for example. More questions on the other side? Yeah. You're doing pretty good so far. Thank you. All right. More in a moment. Well, you never know. The unthinkable could happen. We've already had several in recent years that could never happen here, happen here. So make sure you're prepared. It is better to be prepared and not need it than to need it and not be prepared. So contact our friends at My Patriot Supply now. Get access to their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, so three square meals a day, but also drinks and snacks. So the full complement of the two plus thousand or 2000 plus calories that you need nutritionally each day uh, includes more than a dozen combinations of meals and sides so that you don't have to, you know, eat the same thing over and over again. There's plenty of variety as well. Stays good for up to 25 years with proper storage. So ditch the canned vegetables and boxed pasta and get the good stuff. Delicious breakfast, lunch, dinners, and more from my Patriot supply free shipping when you get it from preparewithdace.com that's preparewithdace.com the three-month emergency food kit you get free shipping when you go to preparewithdace.com all right no todd today 
He is uh, with Ainsley at the SEC Championships. But uh, Anna has been so far. You've picked very good questions. Thank you. I have to we'll tell see. you. I have to tell you though. I'm. I'm because you are a Dace. I know there's an ambush in here somewhere. I, I know there is. All right. I know there is. And it would be a very Dacian thing. Let's, let's get all the very thoughtful questions out there. And he's going to think this is going well. And then, bam, hammer drops. Right? I feel like I was careful. I mean, I want to be asked back. It's good for me. It's good publicity for me. <laughs> and, it is, and it is, of course, all about you. You love me some me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> all right, Aaron, next question. We will go on with uh, Tiny Johnny. In a scenario where DeSantis wins the presidency, what are the first things you want to see him do or not do in his first 100 days? Um, I would, well, are we talking, I, I, I cannot answer a foreign, I can't answer in terms of foreign policy yet. Outside of a, of a, of a, of a much more um, challenging position where China is concerned, because there are a lot of variables at the moment that we just don't know. I mean, we don't we don't know what will happen with the with the the war in, in Gaza. Um, whether you know, there's been a lot of smoke of a northern front involving Hezbollah. We don't know if that blows wide open. We we just don't know. We don't know the status of wh- what's going on in Ukraine. Um, and so I'm I'm hesitant to offer specifics where that is concerned. Um, the the number one thing. That I think a President DeSantis and or President Trump, if it's him again, or anybody we would want to win, is a full vetting of your hires, and as much as possible, all of those major hires are singing from the same hymnal. Man, under Trump, we kind of had this Game of Thrones, you know. Well, we were we were excited about him based on how he was as a senator. He was a disappointment as an AG, but but as a senator, Jeff Sessions was one of us. Okay, so this but but then you from you, Jeff Sessions gets appointed one day, Steve Mnuchin and Reince, Reince Priebus the next. Nope, we're not doing that. Okay, we don't need to give Ditch McConnell's wife a job. The McConnells they're doing pretty good. They're okay. They're they're doing okay. All right. We need an administration where people believe in the agenda of the president and therefore view it as their mission to realize and implement the agenda of that president. So I, I think the most important thing that he could do is the is, is the personnel vetting and staffing, particularly within the White House ecosystem itself. And then the most important positions of power like AG, secretary of state, et cetera. Uh, I, I think that's vitally important number one um number two is an economic package not a porculus or a stimulus but an economic package that gives people um assurance that sanity has returned sanity is back on the menu again number three and i'm not i'm just doing this in the order i'm thinking of them i'm not necessarily prioritizing these things um, number three, um, the elimination of all liability protections for not just vaccine manufacturers, um, every corporation in America, no corporation should be getting liability protection, period. Not 
I don't believe in taxing corporations because they'll just pass those taxes on to people. And I and and therefore you just make goods and services more expensive. Um, you just make the ability for those corporations to create jobs more difficult. Nor do I believe in shielding and protecting them either. I'm a free marketer. So let the market prevail. Whoever's got the best products, the best ideas, the best systems, let them win. And if that's not you, you got the L. Nobody's too big to fail. So I would remove all, not just manufacturing manufacturers, but I, or vaccine manufacturers. I, I'd push to eliminate really any protections of liability waivers or scrutiny from the public from corporations um, in general. Um, nat, um, national school choice legislation on a national level. I think that will be easier to accomplish than eliminating the Department of Education. Why? Because I've been promised by every Republican, including Reagan and Trump, every Republican in my lifetime, we were going to eliminate the Department of Education. And it was never able to be accomplished. So uh, I do think there's much more momentum for national school choice legislation at this point, given how many states have enacted it. Uh, energy independence would, would would if I were ranking these would be higher on the list but again I'm just coming up with this list off the top of my head those are those are a few off the top of my head Aaron your thoughts those are pretty good I I would say the the biggest thing is and you mentioned this this might be the only thing that I want to see in the first 100 days because it'll guarantee it'll kind of be a a baseline for how the next 100 days and the next 100 days after that go the personnel around you who are you hiring and who, who are you firing? That would be my number one priority, the first 100 days. Uh, second to that, there are a number of things. And this was, this was something I think you asked him during his launch on Twitter. Uh, this is something that he understands. He understands how to pull and push levers of power in the executive branch in order to get things done very quickly. He understands the powers that are vested in him as an executive. Pull and push all of those to stop whatever's happening at the southern border. That's, those are my t top two priorities. And then beyond that, you know, I think there are a lot of other things he can do uh, down the road uh, with the power that he has as the chief of, executive of the United States that uh, he can get done. But those are kind of my, my you know, first two priorities and maybe 1A and 1B. Ready to move on? Ready. Let's go now to Anthony Fava. Should dual citizens be allowed to hold public office or work in the federal government? And should America even permit dual citizenship as a concept? Seems to be a conflict of interest that would have our founding fathers rolling in their graves. So I picked this because a lot of people liked it once it was asked. Mm -hmm. So I kind of assumed a lot of people were going to ask kind of the same question or were curious. So I thought this would be a good one for you to answer. I, here's what I think. Bef before we get into... I'm going to go back and answer similar to, similarly to what I did with the woman that was asking whether she was wasting her time passing out like voter guides mm -hmm. or poll, you know, those kinds of things at, at polling places on election day. Rather than look at the specifics applications of dual citizenship, I would question the premise of it. I'd ask, I'd, I'd, I'd have a reevaluation of what that means why it was permitted, um, what the basis for that was. And I, I would relitigate that in light of 
what mass, not even immigration, migration, mass migration without assimilation has done to the country. I, I would make it part of a broader conversation of what does it mean, uh, what does it mean to be an American, is what I would do, and, um, I think those are things. By the way, I think on a broad level, Vivek has spoken well to, and then at a policy level, DeSantis has, um has governed well too, um, including what he's talking about now. Hey, if you hate America and you want to align with our enemies against us, you don't have a right to live here. If you're on some form of a visa or something, we'll just deport you. And that should have been an automatic already. So I think before we get into specific limitations of what dual citizenship means, I think we should actually go back and have a conversation and a debate about dual citizenship's meaning. Um, as a whole before we get into specifics about there. I think, I think the premise argument will address once that's determined that will address the application stage. All right. Next up we go to John or Julie Feller McManus. What three things would you point out to a blinded Trump supporter to make them question their position? If someone's blinded, I, I wouldn't. I know you've I know a lot of you have been taught in this era that that we just endlessly evangelize people and keep simplifying things and watering things down. That's actually I mean, nobody loves us more than Jesus. And he looked at his followers and said, after a while, man, just kick the dust off your sandals and move on. There's there's no obligation. There is no commandment. Thou must beat thy head against thy wall. That's not the 11th commandment. It's not. If someone's blinded. You know, now you and I may have a different definition of blinded. I mean, you might just to me, you you might you might view somebody as being fervent as blinded when maybe they're just fervent. They're not blinded. They just have and and then they might have real reasons why they are fervent. And you should the the listing should go both ways. Hear what they have to say. You know, it's called a that would be called a conversation. But if, if someone is blinded, meaning that there's just no reaching them, they cannot see. Well, you know, I I wouldn't offer any arguments i'd tell you to stop arguing with them so would you define somebody as blinded as somebody who has heard like heard the arguments already has heard the things and yet chooses somebody that's blind would you would consider and define as someone who chooses to ignore yes yeah chooses to be blinded it's a a, that's a great clarification thank you sweetheart it's a willful act yes and that and and that's and, and that's that goes to the gospel analogy I made. This is why Jesus says it would be better for the people of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, the, these were the pla- the, if correct me, I, I believe these were the places of the Philistines. Um, these were their capitals. They, they were the the chief aggravators and tormentors of the Jewish people for many many years. Um, um, I think this is where Jezebel came from, if I remember correctly. Someone, if I'm wrong, correct me in the, my inbox. So what Jesus is basically saying is it would be better for the people that came from the worst of pagan um, nemeses. It'll be better for them on the day of judgment than people who have heard the word and rejected it. What it will be like for them. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, maybe somebody... Doesn't understand that Donald Trump wrote a check to Moderna and Pfizer for a mass poison. Then you can talk to them. If they don't care, I I just would stop talking. There's, you know, and and frankly, it's probably not at that point ruining a relationship over. And if they want to ruin the relationship, let that them be. A, then that's they made that act. You did not, you know. But if someone's blinded, then I I wouldn't even bother. 
Next up, we will go to uh, Nathan and Susanna Regal. What version of the Bible do you use and why? I've always used the KGV or KJV because all of the other versions I know of have verses completely missing and have wording changed that changes the meanings. So I would, if I get asked this question a lot, and I always tell people that the King James is the version that Paul used, so use that. I'm, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, but I do like the new King James. Um, that would be uh, the strength of the King James Bible, but in contemporary language. Um, but my, my personal favorite uh, is the ESV. Those are the two that I always recommend when people ask me that. Same here. Okay. Next, uh, Janie Britton says, what did Jesus really mean when he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's? Isn't everything's God's? Yes, but who appointed Caesar? God. So yes, everything is God's. There is no authority except that which God has ordained and or permitted. Okay. Now, does that a guarantee that that authority will be used in a godly way? Is that what it guarantees? No. No. <laughs> so when that authority is not used in a godly way, should we follow God or the ungodly authority? Whom should we follow? God. God. Okay. But there are, in, in God's created order, there are specific jurisdictions here. Okay. And so God in his providence has, has dictated that civil governments can get to, get to do things like tax and spend and to pave roads and handle those matters. Okay. There, that's, that, that's a statement of jurisdictional authority. So since God has permitted this authority, if not outright ordained it, when they perform it in an act of, of a, a civil act, that is not a clear violation of God's law. You should honor that. Okay. But when they attempt to do things that are in violation of God's law, you should honor God instead. And in both cases, ultimately, whom are you honoring? God. Because when they do what they're righteously decreed to do and you honor that, you're really honoring God mm -hmm. because it is God who tells us what they're righteously decreed to do and even allows them to do it at all. When they don't do what they're righteously decreed to do or they attempt to do things beyond what is their righteous, their rightful jurisdiction and you honor God instead, you're also in the same instance, you are still honoring God. So in both cases, it's about honoring God, actually. All right. One more here before we get out for the day. And that is from our friends over at Collective. Freelance work is booming. Many people taking the leap, starting their own businesses. So how do you maximize your earnings, minimize your taxes, make sure you're legally compliant? It can be overwhelming, and that's why you need to talk to the experts at Collective, built specifically for businesses of one that are making over 60000 in profit a year. Collective handles all of your office back work or all of your back office work so that you can focus on your passion and not the paperwork. All right. They're an all in one financial solution for your business of one. They handle your business formation, compliance, paperwork, taxes, bookkeeping, accounting, even payroll. Plus, if you're already an LLC, Collective can retroactively elect your S Corp status back to July 1, which could save you thousands on your 2023 taxes. And better yet, a Collective membership pays for itself within just a few months and it's 100% tax deductible. So, Check out collective.com slash Steve to potentially save thousands of dollars on your 2023 taxes. And to sweeten the deal, they'll also throw in an extra hundred bucks off when you use my link. What link is that? Collective.com slash Steve. If you're a business of one, definitely check out collective.com slash Steve. So Aaron, how did Anna do for the first time selecting the questions? What'd you think? Would you eat green bean casserole <laughs> if it were flavored <laughs> with pumpkin spice? That's from Barbara Ketchum. 
There's the ambush question. I thought I was going to get out of here before the ambush question showed up. You know what? I'll try it. I think it's a wretched concoction, but if it's got pumpkin spice in it, I'll give it another shot. You have to say that. You've gone too far down this pumpkin spice road to deny it. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 I <laughs> it's cannot, too far gone now. I, I cannot deny pumpkin my allegiance to pumpkin spice. All these years, pumpkin spice has been loyal to me. I must now be loyal to it. Yes. All right. Good job, princess. Appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. Um, evergreen tomorrow. And then we're all back together again on Wednesday while I am in Miami. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.